0: Covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Thank you so much for being tuned in. Unfortunately, this is not exactly the happiest podcast in the history of the world. After a weekend where we saw the Brewers not play any baseball games, And it wasn't even their fault. It was a result of, I don't know if we're calling it an outbreak, but certainly multiple cases of the coronavirus with the St. Louis Cardinals and uh, what we thought was going to be another week on this podcast of really being able to be focused in on baseball, kind of like we were last week. It was very good last week. Unfortunately, and this is not just Brewers related, but certainly is baseball related, once again, the spotlight is on the impact of the coronavirus on baseball and questions continue to remain if they are going to be able to get through the season. We certainly did have uh, some Brewers news that we'll touch on here at the top. As always, housekeeping items at the top of the program. If you do want to uh, get in contact with me, best way to do so is on Twitter. Find me at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Also, I uh, encourage you to... Uh, If you listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts to subscribe, leave a ranking and review, that would would go well. So let's just kind of set things up for where we're at right now. And look, this was a really frustrating weekend. And Brad Ford, by the way, I should mention, I'm not trying to... uh, uh, Barry the lead here. Brad Ford from Brook Crewball is our uh, featured guest and he's gonna join us in coming up in uh, just a few minutes and uh, I've already recorded that conversation as I'm recording this part of the podcast now and really it's just us two kind of talking through everything that's going on and I'll try to do that to a certain extent here and then we'll uh, we'll get Brad's thoughts coming up in just a few moments. I, I've got some questions in terms of how to get through this season and I guess my big questions at this point, is the testing protocols where the results don't get back for at least 24 hours, that seems like it's just not going to work because if somebody takes a test and then they go and play a ball game or if somebody takes a test on a travel day and then they get on a plane, as it looks like what happened with the Cardinals, it, it it certainly seems like there's no way to prevent the spread to some of your teammates. So it really feels like Major League Baseball's got to find a way to get the test results back sooner. And if that means working with labs or hospitals in in every market that there's a team in, you got to do it. And and from a from a public relations standpoint, you certainly don't want it to look like. Baseball players are being put in front of the line where other people who might really need these tests have to wait longer, uh, and, and that's a real thing. But at the same time, you find a way. Like If it if it cost you money for Major League Baseball to purchase lab equipment, I don't know what it would be, but you find a way to, to get this done. So that part of the equation, there's at least an answer to it. I don't know if Major League Baseball is going to do anything. But at least there's an answer. There seems to be a route to getting tests back quicker. might be a really expensive route, but there's a route. The problem that there is no answer to and what concerns me is the incubation period. And once again, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I'm just watching what's going on. And we saw with the Miami Marlins with their outbreak, there, it was four or five days after they had all been put in quarantine and nobody was coming in contact with anybody and players were still testing positive. So the incubation period where you contract it, but the time it takes to get to a point where you're actually going to test positive, that's an issue as well. And I don't know what the answer is. I don't, I don't know. Again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I don't know if you can transmit it to other people during that period that you have it but it's not showing up on test I don't know it was just a bad weekend when you've got 20% of major League baseball games not being played that's really bad and it's a bad start to uh, and you know, David Stearns made the point when he spoke I think it was on Saturday that he spoke the overall numbers like the percentage of positive tests it's not bad it's 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 very workable the problem is such a high percentage of those tests are coming from really two teams in the Miami Marlins and the St. Louis Cardinals, so that's a problem. With that, Lorenzo Cain makes the decision to opt out. I'm disappointed because I don't get to see Lorenzo Cain play baseball. I'm disappointed because Lorenzo Cain makes the Brewers a better baseball team, but I understand where he's coming from. He's got a family. He's got kids. If he's not comfortable playing baseball, that's his right to say, He doesn't want to play. And I think most people have understood that. There certainly are those, you know, the keyboard warriors, the the social media anonymous folks that are going after him, calling him not a good teammate, calling him soft, things like that. I think those people are wrong. I think they're really wrong. makes me angry, quite honestly, to read some of those comments because we can't put ourselves into his position. And if he's legitimately worried, whether you – think that the coronavirus is a very serious thing or whether you don't uh that's that's not the point here everybody has their right to view it however they want to view it and i guess if you don't want to be criticized for the way that you view it there's unfortunately this has become a political issue and a lot of people are being very critical of everybody for just about every thought on it i don't want to go down that path too terribly far but uh it's from a baseball standpoint, it's disappointing because he's so fun to watch play. But you understand where he's coming from with the family and everything. And it's his uh, it's his personal decision, his right to do it. Ryan Braun ends up on the injured list with an infected finger. Uh, that was kind of a weird thing at first. When when you first read an infected finger on the angelus list for that, what in the world is uh, going on there? Uh, there was a piece at uh, MLB.com uh, that kind of went into uh, what exactly uh, happened. And uh, he ended up at the hospital, and um, they had to cut it open with the infection. So until it can heal, he's not able to play. And then most seriously over the weekend, there was a workout on Saturday and Brewers bench coach Pat Murphy suffers a mild heart attack. They got him to Fredert, had a stint put in, and uh, he is recovering. He's expected to make a full recovery. Whether or not he's going to be back with the club this year, that is unknown. So what a... What a weird weekend. What a really, really weird weekend of what went down with the Brewers prior to the weekend. The Brewers getting started uh, playing their first six games of the year when we were talking last week. They had just got done with the Cubs series. They played a really entertaining series against Pittsburgh uh, where uh, they had a a great comeback. They had a game that they let go. There was an extra inning. That great comeback, uh, extra innings, and it it was fun to see how it played out with the runner on its second uh, Brandon Woodruff had a great pitching performance. Christian Yelich is really struggling. Had had the weekend of no games being played happened, this podcast would probably be largely focused on the performance of Christian Yelich because everybody's trying to figure out what's wrong. I'm kind of at a place right now where I'm in, I'm I'm not I don't I don't know if anything is wrong yet because baseball players go through slumps and. I guess when I think of what's wrong, I think of a larger issue going on, and I'm not yet to the point of it being a larger issue. To me, it's a it's a six-game slump at a really bad time. Brewers playing six games. At the time, that represented 10% of their schedule. It might represent more than 10% of their schedule now if they don't make up any of these games uh, that they were scheduled to play against the Cardinals. Who knows what's going to happen there? If, if Yelich is still struggling... A week from now, then maybe we get into it. Every and look, people are, are trying to figure out why. And that's just a natural thing to do. You don't want to just say, okay, it's a slump to start the season. You want to figure out, is it because there's no fans in the stands? Is it because of the shortened summer camp? Is it because the lineup is different? Is it because of his teammates? Like, there's all these things. that coming off the injury? Is he fully healthy? Like, Everybody's looking for these reasons. And I'm just not quite ready to go down that path yet. I think he's going to be okay. I think the numbers are going to be there at the end of the year. But it's been a slow start there's no way to argue anything but that it's been a very very slow start so i say all that to say this let's bring in brad ford he is a writer for brew crew ball Uh, you can also uh, you can find him all over the place it is time for this week's featured conversation after every brewer's game signing an announcement bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take now we bring them all together it's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers X the podcast, is powered by WTMJ Mobile. We bring back on to the podcast a guy that you can read, a Brew Crew uh, ball. You hear, you hear him all the time here on the podcast because we love having him on as a guest. Uh, at Brew Crew Blue on Twitter, he is Brad Ford. Hey, Brad, how are you? Hey, Matt. I'm doing so much better now that I'm back on the pod. I'm glad you're here, and I'll be honest, I'm like... This is sad Matt today. Uh this this weekend was a was a gut punch for me. All I wanted to do was be able to go to Miller Park and watch baseball and I I think a lot of Brewers fans all they wanted to do was be able to turn on the TV or turn on the radio and watch and or listen to baseball and it didn't happen and we're we're two weeks into the season and there's so many issues you've got two teams you have one team that's got a straight up outbreak you've got another team that maybe we can call it an outbreak i don't know uh you've got teams that have played a few games you have teams that have played a bunch of games i will get into like some of the specifics but just from a very general standpoint how do you feel right now about major league baseball
1: I'm enjoying it while it lasts, and I think that statement, although short, says a lot about it,
0: <laughs> yeah, because there's an inference there that it might not last all that long, so I still you know I, I still think it's above a fifty percent chance that we do make it all the way through the season, but i'm not I'm not real confident about that. like maybe it's a fifty one percent, maybe it's a fifty two percent there's a very legitimate chance that they do have to shut things down. I think it's. I think it's really important that we try to find out with both the Marlins and Cardinals how these these things got started because then we can start to figure out were people not following the rules and it resulted in uh, these outbreaks or were people following the rules and they still had an outbreak? And I don't know about you, Brad. I'm more comfortable with the first statement, as disappointed as I might be, that people did something they weren't supposed to do. It scares me and it makes me worried for the future of baseball, specifically this season, if we find out, let's say, nobody broke protocol with the Cardinals and they still had this. Like, I want there to at least be this tangible thing that you can find that what they did so maybe you can try to avoid it in the future if that makes sense.
1: Right. Well, there's absolutely room for teams to have more of a stranglehold on their players, right? Limit the time that they actually spend kind of off the leash and available or able to go out unsupervised. We've NFL teams do it. Look at all the reports in the McCarthy era of players they've had with issues, which were generally towards the end when you're looking at the Green Bay Packers specifically of players missing hotel curfew check ins. So you're talking about guys who may have been spending rumored long hours out after games and in between traveling and checks that into the hotel room where it just is something you can control. If everyone was doing everything right though, and it spread because someone got infected from their wife or someone they were just like coincidentally in contact with and they then spread it just through traveling, which is a very real fear about this season. That is a bigger signifier that it's the season's less likely to happen. Yeah, so there's so, oh go ahead. Yeah. No, it just ends up being what what can you control? If it's that uncontrollable, then obviously you lose hope that there's much further we can go with this.
0: There are two things that really concern me in the current system which I don't know if they have an answer for. The first one there is an answer for. I don't know if the second one there is, but we'll see what Major League Baseball does. The first one is the lag time between taking the test and getting the test results. Now that's because they're sending these things to New Jersey and to Utah. The The easy answer is for Major League Baseball to get boots on the ground in every single Major League market and find some type of lab in every single market or hospital, whatever it might be, and give them some business and find a way to get the test back day of. And if that means all players have to go down to the hotel room or show up to the ballpark at 8 a.m. every day and get tested, and then those tests are going to be back by 3 in the afternoon when they report to the ballpark, fine. Like, there's, there's at least an answer there. I don't know if Major League Baseball is willing to go away from their labs in Utah and New Jersey, but at least there, there's an answer there. There is something you can do. What you can't do anything about is the incubation period where a player can get it and still not test positive for two or three days. And we specifically saw that with what happened with the Marlins, where five days after they had been totally cut off from each other, you still had a player or two testing positive for the first time. And that that worries me because we don't completely understand if you're still passing it along at that point, but it just seems like it's going to be a real challenge to ever truly get ahead of this thing.
1: Yeah, Um I think the reason that the tests are currently in the labs that they're in is because the MLB is afraid of the optics that come with using public resources in order to get fast turnaround on this. So it becomes where, what can they do in the cities that they're in to ensure that they're not tapping into the resources meant for the general public in order to maintain those optics. Um, Oh hold I'm gonna stop you real possible. quick
0: though. I'm gonna stop you real quick because it's money solves everything, and um, and I'm not saying throw money at it. I'm saying, let major if major league baseball is gonna go into a hospital or whatever. Pay a bunch of money where they can hire new doctors and new nurse. Like, do something that has a public benefit. If you're going to take away from something, add to it all at the same time. You're right in what you're saying, Brad, but there's also a way that Major League Baseball could do something to overall have a net positive on it. That's all
1: I would say. Yeah, I think that's very correct. I think that's absolutely correct in that there is a solution that involves money, and it, whether it's financially supporting tests or – something more uh, out of the box than that. Like by, like if you buy more techs, tests and make them more available and you become part of the test availability, does it really matter if you're taking up 30 testing slots a day? But I do think something like that would need to happen. The incubation period we saw actually be very scary, I think, with the Marlins in that they're still getting some positive tests back. So when you get those positive tests, when can you go back? When can you actually safely, I mean, we know 14 days, but baseball doesn't want to do that. It doesn't want to wait that long, and it's trying to test adamantly and fervently and over and over and over again to get these players back on the field so they can resume something. And the truth is it's just so hard to do it safely, and now you're bringing new players in and exposing them to an already dangerous environment uh you know, poor Mike Morin, who was claimed off DFA, is now a Marlin. Yeah. <laughs> and they're they're trading for players, they're signing players who uh don't have other options just to field a big league team. And the they're, we know that you need 14 days. That that's been a repeated fact. Obviously the further you get out from day one and really after day seven, the safer you are. Um, It becomes a much more minimal risk, but we know there is that risk in that incubation period. So it's still, it's scary stuff Mm -hmm. because you really don't know when is the right time to step back and get back to the activity you were doing before that uh, outbreak happened. Because last thing Major League Baseball needs is to put the Marlins back on the field and then five players test positive in a few days after that,
0: if that happens, they're done. They're, they're not playing another game this year. I don't know how you do it, but you, you, they're done. They're done.
1: Well, and we've seen that in some other sports. So it was brought up that major league soccer has forfeitures and penalties, um, for teams who aren't able to get safe protocols. So I, I think there is a way to remove teams. I personally think, uh, talking about the overall, that if one more team in the next week has an outbreak, uh, maybe even the next two weeks that they need to pause the season again. I, I don't think it's a stop. I think it's a pause, but I I think you need to refigure things out and get more of a contingency plan. Um, <laughs> and then I actually went over with my friend, the idea of, all right, stop for a week. Don't let anyone talk to anybody. Just like keep them all in their bubbles and then go to divisional bubbles. Just like screw this interleague play. Just do a divisional tournament you have six stadiums that aren't Toronto that can be played in, in any weather because they're domes. You have six divisions. Just do divisional bubbles, and you can make it happen. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I think in, in a couple more outbreaks, they might have to go to the bubble system because right now their system's not looking as healthy as we had hoped it was. And that's hindsight. I think we all thought things were going to be, better than they've been in the first week. I thought it would take a little longer to get as bad as it's already been. And I honestly thought I've always thought the season's not going to make it to the end, but I thought it was going to be a combination of the world around us and players getting it that force it. But now, you know, Yoana Cespedes uh, opted out. Lorenzo Cain's opted out. Those are two big names. Uh, You have sick players. It's making it harder and harder to play a season, and if another team goes down, they're going to have to do some real thinking.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, and I want to I want to pause for just a second as as we go on and kind of like say this to people listening because look the, one of the trendy things on social media over the last week is people thinking that members of the media don't want sports to be happening. I just want to say for everybody listening. I want baseball to happen. You have no. I was so down this weekend. Like I feel bad for my wife. How down I was this weekend because I just wanted baseball to be played. I am rooting for this to happen. My career is based in sports. My career is really based in baseball. This this weekend literally cost me money. I want baseball to be played. So even though we're sitting here and we're talking about some realities, I just want to full stop and people hear that I'm saying. I want there to be baseball. This conversation I'm having right now with Brad it is based in the realities, and this was a really bad weekend for the sport of baseball in terms of being able to find a way to get to the end of the season. And when we relate it back to the Brewers specifically, Brad, this is all happening, and then we find out on Saturday that Lorenzo Cain has made the decision to opt out. Now, he may have opted out had the Cardinals not uh, had the coronavirus cases and had they played games this weekend? But y- you see, the two things happen together, and you have to wonder how much that maybe was the uh, you know added to kind of the urgency in him making the decision. But there's sort of two things going on here. There's the baseball aspect of it. Lorenzo Cain leaving the Brewers are not as good of a team anymore. The second thing is Lorenzo Cain leaving from a from a real life personal standpoint. He didn't feel comfortable. And the, the, rightfully so, he did not feel comfortable. Every human being has the, the has the right to make the decision on whether or not they feel comfortable. So he made the decision to call it a season for this year, and he'll get back at it next year.
1: Right, and we know there are a handful of other players who do not feel comfortable either. Um, I'm I'm happy for Lorenzo Cain that he's in the situation that he can do this and be okay. I think. Everyone should have the right to be able to do this, and I'm happy that he was able to potentially open the door for people who maybe aren't as high in stature in Major League Baseball as he is. I think he has opened the door for other people who do feel truly unsafe. I wanted to watch him play really badly, getting back to what you were saying. I wanted to see a healthy Lorenzo Cain after we heard a Lorenzo or saw a Lorenzo Cain who forcibly played through injuries all last season and was not up to his 2018 performance. I enjoyed seeing the Lorenzo Cain of old in the short six game season that we got of him. And I I'm bummed because I, I do really, really like him as a player and a person on the field So, I I mean, it's definitely a torn thing. I want everyone to feel safe. I want everyone to be doing this. But as a selfish sports fan, I want to watch Lorenzo Cain play. That being said, you have to wonder how how many other people are as close to tipping as he was. Apparently, uh, based on what we've heard from in the locker room, I think Brent Suter specifically said it to reporters is, you know, the team had known Lorenzo Cain was on the fence. The players knew that Cain wasn't. Looking forward to um, risking himself regularly, so we know that there are a few other players who have publicly expressed that they are day to day. Ryan Braun, uh, being the probably the biggest uh, Brock Holt, we know feels compelled to play this year because if he doesn't, he thinks his career is over. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe Eric Sogard has been slightly vocal about his hesitancy to play the season. So we know there are other players on the roster who are still. Who, who knows what the next move is to cause more dominoes to tip? I'm kind of surprised we haven't heard more so far, but it, I, I think yeah, it's it's definitely scary when it's almost in your own home, right? That that makes it that much more real when it's staring you in the face.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And again, I just I feel bad we're in a situation where Lorenzo Cain has to make that decision and I think anybody who knows anything about him knows that he is one of the the best teammates in baseball. He's a he's an incredible guy. And you know there, there was, as you might expect, there was the chirping on social media calling him soft and calling him not team guy and things like that. And I think anybody who says that doesn't really have a have a firm grip, a gr- firm grasp on kind of who he is and, and some of these decisions that he was making. Would I feel bad about and I do think it's
1: like insane to insinuate anything about the person he is for this. I've, there was an overwhelming support for him throughout baseball. And you even have your rival players from your rival reaching out and saying like, Hey, I'm happy. He was able to do what he thinks is best for him. And I wish him nothing but luck. We'll miss him and we'll see him next season. It was, I think generally a positive community. And I was very happy to see that. I think it was predominantly positive, but yeah, it's, I, I know it stinks that you're not seeing one of the best players on your team, help your team win, but also, you just have to kind of lean into how odd a year is going. And at least Ben Gamble's hot. So at least the next guy up is a guy who's swinging the bat well. So in terms of offensive production, if you're looking at it purely from a team standpoint, maybe they aren't hurt as much as you might think. Although I think Lorenzo Cain, I think we all know Lorenzo Cain is much better than Ben Gamble, but Ben Gamble could be hot for 60 games. Who knows?
0: Yeah. And they've got
1: the hard, Oh, sorry.
0: They've got a roster spot to fill now. I get you know. I I, I I'm pretty sure when you opt out, you don't count against the 40 man roster. That's the way I understand it. So you know, a guy like Keon Broxton's even sitting out there. Maybe you bring uh, him back to the active roster. I, I don't know. I mean, like, there's just there's a lot of things they can do. They're not going to be as good without Lorenzo Kane. But even a lineup uh, or, or an outfield of Gamble and Garcia and Yelich, that's still a pretty solid outfield if if Gamble can do some version of what he's done so far this year. Right. And I
1: think you're looking at another player in Keon where if you ride those two on when they get hot, hopefully they get hot at the right times. You're not really losing much in production because Keon is probably as good a defender as Lorenzo Kane, which is a pretty high bar. Uh, I don't think Ben Gamble reaches that bar at all. Um, I think Ben Gamble is an adequate center fielder and an okay right fielder who needs a better arm. But I I think the two of them together could give you, if things go right, a, a pseudo good replacement for him. And then you're, you're not that far behind. Um, so I, I hope that's kind of what we see. I, I think that could be a lot of fun too, is watching those two guys go out there in a platoon situation. Um, I mean, it's just, it's not Lorenzo Cain, but I, I the optimist in me sees the potential for those guys to perform.
0: And it, it, You could see Ryan Braun a little bit more in the outfield now than we were originally expecting him to play. That's a possibility that he's on the injured list now with the, uh, an infected right index finger. I don't know if I've ever seen somebody go on the injured list with an infected finger.
1: Yeah, it makes you wonder what's happened. Like, doesn't it make you put on your tinfoil hat a little bit? <laughs> like, here's a guy about to opt out. Oh, he goes on the DL. Like what's, what's going on there. Um, so it makes you a little curious yes. about, uh, the, the timing of that with such a peculiar injury, but also when it comes to Ryan Braun injuries, I'm not sure if I'm ever surprised.
0: Yeah. Like I love a good conspiracy theory. I, I, I don't, I don't know if there is one here. Like, I, I don't know what you gain. Like, Unless you're just trying to buy him some time. Is that kind of the, the, the would that be the, what you were I, saying? I think
1: that's the idea, right? Is like, oh, you can buy him some time. If you, if you get him separated, you're not losing two of your better bats from the lineup. It's funny to me how like the idea of Braun opting out, a lot of people are like, fine, get the bum out. But then Lorenzo Kane opts out and he's like, that baby
0: can't play. <laughs> and it's,
1: uh, but yeah, it's an, I, I chalk it up to Ryan Braun has weird injuries yeah. it's it's the one truth we can expect every year is that Ryan Braun will have weird and it maybe it's not the classic baseball weird injury where a person walks through door person steps on cactus person slips in tub person's wife drops luggage on hand um, but it's it's just kind of par for the course with him
0: I feel like if he was going to opt out like
1: he would do it Right. What does he have? I mean, like Lorenzo Cain, he's lucky enough to be in a situation where he has wealth built up. He has has money and can go and sit out and be fine this season. Um, He's not a person like Keston Hira, who's only had half a season of Major League Payday. And Keston's probably a bad example, right? Because he rushed through the majors. He got a good signing bonus. So theoretically he should have some protection money in the bank for himself. Depending, because uh, we all know kids with millions of dollars don't always spend it in the healthiest ways, but uh, you're looking at other players who are have only been in there. They maybe don't have the wealth built up for like a Devin Williams. That's probably a better example. Devin Williams only had about a month of playing time, month of major league pay. Does he have the capital if he feels uncomfortable to go and sit out the rest of the season? I don't think he does. Whereas Ryan Braun, He's just playing for the rest of his paycheck slash, extending his legacy in Milwaukee.
0: Yeah, and trying to help the team win. Like it's a team. And I do think that yeah. is a
1: valid Ryan Braun thing. Like I think he does care about helping the team win. I think he. I, I. I shouldn't have said just two selfish things because I don't think he's a. I think he is a team-oriented guy, but uh, like, he doesn't. He doesn't need to be doing this.
0: Yeah. And look, I'm I'm glad I'm talking to you this week because, uh, you know, we can just sort of sit here and, and chat about things. And uh, last week on this podcast, like I felt like we were finally able to shift the focus to baseball. And this week, it just feels like it's gone back 180 degrees again where we're talking about All the stuff connected to COVID-19, and that's because the Brewers literally did not play a baseball game over the course of the weekend. They did start out the year. What would you do? I'll tell you what I would do first, and then I'll see if you agree or disagree with me. I wouldn't play a single doubleheader the rest of the year. Uh, I would just – I'd have the schedule as is, and if you play games, you get them in – If you don't play them, whether it's because of coronavirus, whether it's because of rain, no matter what it is, if they don't get played, they simply don't get played, and you just play out the schedule as is, knowing that at the end of the season, there's going to be a bunch of teams who have played a different number of games, and you just go to winning percentage. You know, Most teams are making the postseason anyways. You just go to winning percentage and go from there. they, They put the runner on at second in extra innings for two reasons. One, to limit pitching staffs just getting destroyed in an extra inning game, but it was also to limit how long teams are going to be at a ballpark for any given time. And I know they went to seven inning doubleheaders, so that limits that time a little bit. But Brad, the idea of the the Marlins trying to make up a bunch of games with doubleheaders. Now the, the idea that the Brewers might have to play a bunch of doubleheaders against the Cardinals to make up for these three games, that seems silly to me. Just just play out the season knowing that everybody's going to play a different number of games.
1: Right. And if it were a traditional playoff scenario, I think that's harder to justify. But like you said, you already have half the damn league getting in the playoffs. Who cares? <laughs> like j- just it it is what it is. I i w- maybe go a little looser on the rules than you and say, like, if you can do it, if basically, if it's not COVID related and you can do it in the same series you're on, so, if you're playing a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Monday gets canceled, but you can do a Wednesday double header. I think that's fine, but if you're just doing a a double header to make up these games that are what teams that are losing weeks at a time, yeah, that just doesn't seem realistic
0: no, I mean you're adding and the other thing is this starting and stopping thing is gonna. I'm I'm worried about the Brewers not they they don't play for four straight days I, I know they got some workouts in but you know Brett Anderson was Brett Anderson woke up two days in a row thinking that he was gonna start a game that day and he didn't like that's that's a really tough deal in baseball, and that's something that I was already concerned about what was going to happen, say, like next year when you're going to have all these guys who are going to exponentially be throwing a lot more pitches next year than this year, assuming there's a 162-game season next year. But now we're talking about this starting and stopping. I, I'm I'm concerned about injuries with that right now.
1: Right. Or not even injuries, but how disadvantageous is it in performance? You're looking at the Phillies. The Phillies have missed a week. We yeah. know how, lo- how teams that are hot in the postseason, this is probably the best example that we have of it. Teams that are hot in the postseason sweep a series, especially the seven-game series, and then sit, they always seem to come out performing a little worse for what they were performing in beforehand. So we know it's hard to keep that momentum going. You're looking at pitchers who have been set off a complete rotation schedule how do you keep that up and keep players happy, healthy and it in their comfort zone in a season that is obviously going to be uncomfortable for a n- number of reasons. I, I think it's just incredibly challenging to everyone involved to make sure that everyone stays in a position that keeps them at the capacity to perform their best. And I think that's incredibly difficult to do because like I said, how do you, obviously the simulations worked for some people and didn't work for others. So even if you go out and you have a simulated game, is that the best case scenario for someone like Christian Yelich? You probably could use some real work against real pitchers to get going. Uh, It's hard to say. It's, it's very hard to say. And two, with their limited accessibility to their normal amenities, are, are their bodies being taken care of the way they should.
0: Yeah, I, I would not start playing simulated games in the middle after the regular season had already started. I like, I'm, I'm fine with workouts. I'm fine with kind of going through simulated situations, but any like those inner squad type games, the blue, blue gold World Series type games, I don't want them doing anything even remotely similar to that at this point. I just don't think you get anything out of it. I think you do
1: it, but you do it less so. And the only reason you do it is to try to keep the pitchers regular, right? Like, OK, well, we can't let Brett Anderson sit for nine days, so let's throw him on the seventh day and then we'll just like go through another simulated game, another simulated game. And then the pitch hitters get to face live hit- pitchers and maybe keep that a little fresh. But you don't need to like players going all out in the outfield for balls or in the infield. You don't need like players actually like running their hardest down to first or second. You just need those things that are hard to repeat in their true form happening, right? Like hitting is hard to repeat um, unless it's an actual pitcher on the other side. Pitching is hard to repeat unless you're actually pitching. So it's one of those things where the only way I would do it is in that way where it's really just live batter, live pitcher.
0: Let me finish you off with this. Uh, are are you at a point yet where you have any true concern about Christian Yelich with his slow start? No. Okay. Um,
1: I uh, it hasn't been fun to watch, but Christian Yelich was already one of the better hitters in the league before he became the MVP. Like maybe we never see forty home run Yelich again. But even even if that does happen, he was a consistent two eighty three hundred hitter with twenty to thirty home run or twenty ish home runs. And I can't imagine he won't be a twenty even if he goes back to the two eighty hitter he was, he won't be a twenty to thirty guy. The guy's a good hitter through and through. It's what he does best. And good even the best hitters go through slumps. Even Mike Trout goes through slumps. It it's human. He it's a weird season. It, it doesn't concern me whatsoever. I was hoping Miller Park would get him going. I think a lot of Brewers fans know how well he hits at Miller Park and how much he loves to hit at Miller Park. So I was hoping that would get him going. Um, obviously, we didn't have that. And I I don't know if a four-day cool-down period is going to help him any. But maybe it does. Maybe it helps him clear the head, right? And less stress. You get to like de-stress about it, maybe not think about it and base it day in, day out. But, I I mean... The guy's too good a hitter to be worried about, in my mind. If, if it gets like one, if he's one for fifty, we'll talk.
0: Yeah, that's where I'm at. Like all the things that people are saying, not playing with fans, all the weird stuff going on, coming off the injury, not having as much protection in the lineup, new teammates. Like all those things are things that maybe could be something, but let's. It's not something until it's something for me. If that makes any sense.
1: What protection did he have in the lineup last year? Like, Mike Mustakas and Yasmani Grandal were good hitters, but they weren't hitters that who you were af- afraid of enough to throw a bad pitch to Christian Yelich.
0: Yeah, I agree. I 100% agree. Like I, Of all the things I just listed, that's the one. And then the other side of it is... Like he's striking out a ton, and I know there's been some strike three calls that have been not great, but for the most part, he's being thrown like he, they're going right after him right now. Nobody's trying to not uh, pitch to Christian Yelich, so th- this is this has absolutely nothing to do with who else is in the lineup quite yet.
1: Right, and as my peers mentioned on MK Tailgate, you know he has had some hard balls that uh, have come off the bat, so you kind of hope that it's a. A babip scenario too, some bad luck. I think it's kind of a bad luck. It started as a bad luck, and now it's truncated itself into a slump, which will happen because you just keep pushing harder and harder and harder. Um, Yelich apparently has talked about how his toe tap and timing are off a little bit, so he's just too good a hitter. Even he, he I always think it's possible for a player not to be the player they were last season, and he might not hit three forty, three thirty. But he, I, I think a bad season from Christian Yellich at this point in his career is going to be
0: 280. I agree. I agree 100%. All right, follow Brad. If you're listening to this, you probably already do. But follow Brad on Twitter, Brew Crew Blue. Read him uh, at Brew Crew Ball. You can also listen to him, uh, as he just alluded to a few moments ago, with uh, the Milwaukee uh, Tailgate podcast. Brad, this is always good. I enjoy talking to you. Um, hopefully, next time we talk, it's a lot happier.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't like being negative. Some people were asking me why I've been so negative. I I just think playing sports pandemic is hard. I also really, really want to be normal. And I'm although it might always not sound like it or look like it. I'm hoping that we get all 60 games in and a full World Series because I love baseball and it's fun.
0: I agree. Let's 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 just play it all. How about we'll tell Rob Manfred. Let's uh, let's just stop people from getting the coronavirus and just play baseball. Just
1: lock chain gang them to the hotel and to the stadium back, and then don't let
0: them out. But one last thing before we get to the you know yeah all right so any baseball player like people have said well oh these guys they're, they're going through tough stuff like after they're, they're, when they're on the road they're forced to be in their hotel rooms and you know what. That does stink. I'm not trying to like like taking your personal stuff away is is not fun. But at the same time, they do have the decision to opt out. So if you want to be a Major League Baseball player this year, you just have to follow the rules. And if you can't follow the rules, if it's too much for you, opt out.
1: Right? Well, and again, I think it's harder for some than others. But, yeah. Yeah. It's – I think – At least the Brewers seem to have a culture of a lot of empathy and compassion for their fellow teammates where they don't want to be the one who makes their teammates.
0: Yeah, I think the Brewers Uh, are handling this. I I, I trust him. I I don't know all those guys super personal, especially this year with so many new players, but just knowing the type of player the Brewers bring in, I am very confident that the Brewers are going to be as good as anybody in baseball at following the rules. And you just wish that the other teams would just do that. Yep. (laughs) You would. All right, I'm, I'm done now. I will not ask you another question. Thank you so much for your time as always. Wait, one more thing. Yes. No, just kidding. Okay. You can. Do you want to throw <laughs> anything else in there? No. Okay. Thanks, Brad. Thanks. Brett Ford joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast, as we do start to wrap things up. Here's what's coming up this week for the Brewers. They are scheduled, hopefully all these games take place, they are scheduled to host the White Sox Monday and Tuesday at Miller Park. Monday's game will be the home opener. The home opener was originally scheduled for Friday, but that didn't happen because of uh, the coronavirus. So they'll host the White Sox Monday, Tuesday. They'll go to Chicago to take on the White Sox on Wednesday, Thursday, and then they're back home for a homestand after that, a six-gamer starting this upcoming Friday, three against Cincinnati and then three against Minnesota. Thank you so much for uh, being tuned in. I know the uh, the tone was a little bit more negative than I like it to be. I still think they get through the season. I still think we've got baseball all the way till the end, but certainly it was not a good weekend for that and uh, hopefully next week when we're talking it's going to be much more positive and we're able to focus a lot more on just baseball that'd be nice right thanks for being tuned in thanks to brad Ford for being my guest we'll talk to you next week for another edition of brewers extra innings the podcast powered by wtmj mobile thanks for listening to brewers extra innings the podcast matt will be back next week with another episode For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to the Home of the
1: Brewers, News Radio 620 WTMJ.